0: I be wearing any more clothes? i 15 Yemen Road, Yemen. It's time for Sports Dudes Who dig Friends, a Pop 6 podcast. How you doing?
1: Well, we're back. Kind of like Friends, we weren't canceled after the first season, not after the first week either. I'm letting the music still play underneath us a little bit here because, well, it's great music and talking about friends with two dudes talking about friends. Brad Willis, program director here at 104.5 The Zone. Joining me, I'm Jason Martin, host of the Pop Six, host of the Big Six, lead writer the at 104.5TheZone.com, at 104.5TheZone, at JMartZone. Those are the Twitter follows. So we talked about Seasons 1, 2, and 3 last week, Brad, but I knew going in we were going to do a lot of intro stuff and we were going to lead in and talk about the television lineups and the television landscape and a lot of these kinds of things. And when we got to the end of the episode, and I went back and kind of listened to pieces of it the next day when it released, I realized that we didn't go into the weeds enough. I didn't want to go too deep into the weeds until we kind of set the stage. We set the stage, and then we turned off the lights and said, come back tomorrow. <laughs> so I want to go back. We're going to talk seasons four, five, and six today. But before we can do that, I think we need to talk more about one, two, and three. So this is kind of the previously on Friends moment? Yeah, yeah. This is exactly right. That's exactly right. There's still music playing underneath. It's sort of a weird version of the Rembrandts, and we're seeing just various cuts as we're going back through everything. Well, I went back and I watched some of season one, a good bit of season one, as a matter of fact, just a couple of days ago, just to kind of go back, because I've been watching four, five, and six, and there's only so much time in the day. But you, I remember you saying that from the very beginning it felt like this show really knew what it was, and I think that it did, and... I asked you right before we started recording. I said, what was the name of the guy that Monica was with as the show started? And I thought it was the second episode. And you said it was the pilot. And the reason why I, I cared about it was because of the Paul, was it? Yes. From Chandler. Paul the wine guy. And I was thinking about it. And I, obviously, I don't know. And I don't think that they had this in, in mind. But it felt like to me, listening to the way he treated Paul, there was always going to be something between Monica and Chandler. I'm just positing that. I'm not saying that they had the plan to do that because I don't think that they did. But Chandler seemed to be protective of Monica in a way that no one else in that room was. And he's the one that kept making that snarky comment about the first guy that he ever met that she was with, uh, that we were able to meet with
0: him. That's actually not a bad theory. Uh, you know, and uh, everybody seemed to kind of be on board with her dating Paul the wine guy. Mm hmm. Uh I actually remember Ross being excited to find out that oh you're dating Paul the wine guy. Right. And everybody's like oh Paul the wine guy. So yeah that's that's an interesting thought you know that that you know perhaps being the across the hall next door neighbor maybe there was a little bit of a protectiveness going on there yeah, before just, we before we even knew it.
1: Right I mean just watching the two of them now knowing everything that would happen between the two of them I watched them differently. I don't know that At this point, they were doing it intentionally, but there just seems to have been some kind of draw between those two characters. And you said last week when you asked who I thought the leads were, Chandler and Monica were the two that you came to. And I said I still think it was Ross and Monica because of how we met everybody else. But at the same time, I could see it being Chandler and Monica for a number of different reasons, not the least of which being that it seemed like Ross always had a storyline going on but Chandler and Monica seemed to be the backbone of everything else that was, was happening.
0: So I dug into a dumb study this week. Okay. And uh, what I have found that they have, they have determined definitively who the main character of Friends is. Would you like to know? Uh, I mean, sure. Okay. Well, here's how they base it. They base it on the number of scenes that this character appeared in, and they base it on the number of lines. And if you take the two characters that have the most number of lines, it turns out that it would be Ross and Rachel. However, if you boil that down to who would be the primary character of Friends, based on appearances and based on lines, it's Ross Geller. That's See,
1: that's where I would have been because... His story is the one we knew about from the very beginning. We knew about his failed marriage. We knew about his crush. We knew about who he wanted to end up with. We knew about him as a father. We knew about his job. We would know more about, I think, his hobbies than just about anybody else throughout the course of the show. And Schwimmer, of all six, he and Aniston had the most defined looks. They looked more unique Than the other characters. Everybody else, like, yeah, Matthew Perry looked kind of like a Canadian dude. (laughs) Matt LeBlanc looked like Matt LeBlanc. And we saw Courtney Cox in the Bruce Springsteen video for Dancing with the Dark. And uh, Lisa Kudrow could fade into the background when she wanted to. But Ross had a very defined face. Jennifer Aniston had a very defined face. But I, I agree. I think that that's probably right. I mean, you're saying that you looked at it from a study. But when I think of Friends, the first character that comes to mind to me is Ross.
0: Yeah. And you know what, and and part of the reason I think that that is the case is because the writers, when they wrote the character of Ross Geller, had David Schwimmer in mind for that role. So I I think he might have been perhaps the most defined. Interestingly enough, using the same metric, who would you guess is the least prominent of the six main uh, Friends characters? It would be Joey or Phoebe one.
1: Phoebe. Yeah, and it wasn't even close. That's interesting to me because, I mean, you think of Joey the actor and you think of a bunch of just random stuff that Joey did. Phoebe had a child, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Phoebe, you know, had the Frank Jr. storyline. She had the thing with her own mother, like just family issues. I felt like she did more things of note from a, like, hardcore,
0: more dramatic, more serious
1: perspective than Joey did.
0: You know, last week I think I said... One of the things that I thought Friends did pretty well was they didn't create a lot of plot holes. Yes. I've kind of talked myself out of that, and I might get into that here in a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, look, 10 seasons, you're going to create some
1: plot holes. But most of them revolve around Phoebe. That's interesting. I'm looking forward to to getting into that discussion. One episode that stood out to me was the fifth episode of season one, and this is one that that as soon as I saw this happen, actually as soon as I saw the title again for the first time in a couple years since I've watched the episode— It stood out, and it was the laundry episode. Yes. And it was the woman that caused all the problems that was wearing that ridiculous hat in the laundromat that first Ross stood up for Rachel, and then Rachel stood up for herself against. For some reason, that storyline, and that was the first time that you know Rachel kissed Ross, even though it didn't necessarily have some giant impact at the time. It was just kind of a moment where, all right, they're doing something with these two characters. They put them together and kept everybody else away and found a way for him to protect her in a moment where she needed it. Do you remember the name of the East German laundry (sighs) detergent? What was that? It's really funny. It was huge. It was like, because he had, remember, he had the fabric softener. That's right. And he was talking about his snuggles. And Chandler was basically like, you can't, he basically said, and the fabric softener. He said, I'll pick something up. And he picked up, I knew it was, what was the name of that Uber stuff? Weiss. That's right, Uber Weiss. And Which it was is, the largest box anyone's ever seen. German for overly white. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Uber Weiss.
1: But remember when you asked what I said about Rachel Geller, or what I said about Rachel Green? Uh, the first thing that came off my mind when we were kind of doing that little quiz last week, I said, "No common sense," and it's lived with a silver spoon in her mouth. And what happened? She's never done laundry before. That's Right? She. That was an episode of growth for her. It was. Turning all of her clothes pink to where Phoebe basically said,
0: All your clothes match. I'm going to do this. <laughs> that was also, uh, and, and, and not obvious by the title, that was also the, appear- the first appearance of Janice. That's right. It's the first time we get to meet Janice. That's right. Hosenstein. And,
1: yeah. And then, you know, very soon after that, it was Chandler basically trying to find a way right there in that episode to break up with Janice at the coffee shop and <laughs> in the process drinking like 15 shots of espresso. I keep saying espresso. I need to not do that. As much as I drink it, it's espresso. Espresso. Right. And just the idea that Phoebe knows how to break up with people. She broke up with that guy, and they embraced. And then she basically broke up with Janice for Chandler after he had the (laughs) worst breakup of all time, and they embraced and then left, and Chandler had no idea why it was happening. Yes. Again, like there were a lot of fun little things happening. We talked about the blackout a little bit last week. That's where Paolo shows up. And Did
0: anyone at any point on any level like or appreciate Paolo?
1: Uh, no. Is there like
0: anybody, like, You're supposed to hate him from the second like, you, you see him. Are you just a sociopath if you're like
1: a, a Paolo fan? I mean, what, two episodes after the laundry detergent is where this happens. So we're already really being conditioned to want Ross and Rachel. And they've given us just our first morsel, our first... We just found our first raisin in the cereal.
0: Well, and and then you have you have Ross who who kind of shoots his shot. Yes. He goes out on the balcony and he starts to tell Rachel, I see big things for you and it's when he's attacked by Paolo's cat. cat. Yeah. And everything to that point is leading toward this is happening. You know, at the end of episode one, it's I just grabbed a spoon. You know, it's Rachel and Ross. He's 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 starting to get over this the fact that you know his marriage is over and he's he's found this woman that he's cared about for a long time and it's here come you know, we talked about it last week here come the roadblocks and this one was a big one because just when you thought things were trending the way you expected they were Paolo shows up and his friends knew that he was
1: a villain because of the way they got him out of the show
0: this is true this is you know funny thing is um the first time he does something you know that that we would consider nefarious which is kissing rachel they're doing their most uh, horrific laugh in the dark because the, the candle has finally burned out. And right. so they're, muah, yeah. ha, ha. And Ross finally says, oh, I have the definitive one. And you hear, muah, ha, and the lights come on. And Rachel is now kissing Paolo. And, you know, it's like, oh.
1: Right. And you hate Paolo from the get-go. And, of course, the way to get that character to exit is to have him hit on Phoebe. Yes. And reveal that he's the scumbag he's a we creep. all wanted him to be from the very beginning, and he was. And then you get him out the door. It's like Ross has that kind of heroic moment where he's just basically like, I think I speak for all of us when I say, and he closes the door, <laughs> and Paolo exits stage left. And that's how you get out of the first obstacle, but they don't, they give you enough of it to just sort of make it annoying. And then they give him that lasagna on the way out the door, Yeah, and that's it. Because Monica's making a ton of lasagnas. I would rewind
0: to the first meeting of Paolo for a word that I still use to this day. And that is, Ross is asking Paolo, do you know any English? And he says, little. And he goes, are you familiar with the term crap weasel? Yeah, crap
1: weasel's a great one.
0: (laughs) And he says, no. And he goes, oh, that's You are a huge
1: crap weasel.
0: (laughs) Crap weasel is underutilized.
1: So I'm going to stop here because... So I asked uh my girlfriend who is a big friends fan, who I'm I'm going back and watching some of the episodes with her, and asked her about the podcast, and she was a big fan and really into it. But then she's like, you know, there are some things that you didn't do. Uh oh. And I said, Well, this is a problem. <laughs> this is why this is why I need you around. And she says, These are things you probably wouldn't notice. And now it's all I notice. Oh wow. Thanks to her. And it's she goes it's the fashion and the hairstyles. So we're sitting there watching the episodes and she goes, that textured shirt that Paget Brewster's wearing, everybody had that. That jacket over top of the long floral dress, everybody had that. I had a friend with that haircut. Boom, boom, boom. You notice Ross has worn this sweater that has this same one line across it in four different colors in the last five episodes, at which point I said, I actually had one of those. Yeah. But then I had sort of an excuse. I didn't give it to her, but I've thought about it since. I'm like, well, one, I'm a dude, so I'm not necessarily noticing the fashion as much as a female would. But there's another thing that was sort of exclusive to me and people like me that made me take less note of it, and that is I knew it wasn't going to be in my size. Interesting. Because I was big at the time, and I was big for most of my life, and so the stuff that these guys were wearing nine times out of ten, I wasn't going to be able to fit into anyway. So I really didn't notice it because I saw that kind of stuff every day and it just kind of, I don't know, put some kind of blinders on. She
0: makes a really interesting point, though, because, you know, when if you mention to a hairdresser, even today, give me the Rachel. Mm -hmm. They know what that hairstyle is. And, and, And the show, certainly as it caught fire in, you know, seasons two and seasons three, it set the pace in many respects for pop culture. Oh, it did. And it set the pace for style and all all the things that go with it because the platform so yeah, she's 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 onto something
1: yeah i mean it, it is a big deal and even when we talk about four five and six when monica's hair changed she mentioned that and mentioned what it meant at the time and how many people she knew that had that kind of hairstyle and it just it continued down the line you watched friends you saw what aniston was wearing or you saw whoever you were whoever you related to on the show you saw what they were she joked with me and said do you think this is where hair gel came from for guys and I said, I mean, probably Greece or something decades before, but at the same time, maybe that brought it back. I mean, Ross's hair was
0: slicked back like crazy to the point where Rachel made fun of it at I, one time. I think that in many ways it's a great reflection of the times. I mean, it's a time capsule, so to speak. I mean, you talk about haircuts and different things. The, the, the season premiere of season two, Monica asks – Phoebe to cut her hair, and she says, "I want the Demi Moore." Yeah, and she cuts her hair, and looks like Dudley Moore because that was that was that was who Phoebe <laughs> thought when she said Demi Moore. She said, Arthur. "No, I, I thought you said Dudley Moore." Yeah, so she ends up with this horrible haircut for like half an episode. It was written because she'd gotten a haircut anyway, and you know she's. I obviously have to explain it away in the episode, but um, you know, but they were trendsetters. They were. They
1: absolutely were. I mean, when you saw People Magazine and in Style and things like that during the time, relentlessly, the Friends cast was featured on that. Most of the time, the women, obviously. But it was something that, of course, we didn't talk about last week because it's not the first thing that would come to our mind. But she was just kind of like, I need to talk to you about this. (laughs) And she was right. And... But it so is. now it's all I see. And I'm that, seeing all that stuff. She's like, the, all these leather jackets, these black leather jackets they're yes. all wearing. I said, well, okay, well, I did have one of those. And, yep. okay, I did have one of those. And I did have you know that kind of jeans or whatever it was like that. The
0: early seasons, too, is where it really starts to show up, the, just the dated things about the show. Because um, – the fashion there are some things there's more of a baggy look about the clothes and and certain things that nowadays wouldn't be nearly as as fashionable that you see is certainly more so in the first three or four seasons
1: another interesting thing that happened very early in season one and I, I often think of how I met your mother and friends together because I feel like how I met your mother tried to be friends so often there was an episode of how I met your mother where we found out that almost every character smoked and I mean smoked a lot, at different times in their lives. Now, when Lily got pregnant, that's when she stopped, and that became kind of the dramatic tension moment where they all decided to stop smoking. But Robin smoked for years, and Ted smoked for years. All of them smoked, and we never saw it in the story because he was talking to his kids, mm. and we only saw the version of the story that's that they right. let us
0: see. That's, yep.
1: And then finally says, so I've got to kind of confess something. And then yeah. you see, okay, we yeah. didn't need to see these characters smoking Every because nobody I'm wants to watch that. Every time I'm a
0: candy bar. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So Chandler smoked. Yeah. Really early on, the episode where he's at the office and he's got the cigarette in the top drawer, and they're all trying to get him to quit. And then, of course, Phoebe says, I'll give you $7,000. Right. He's like, oh, because okay. Because she found right. a thumb in her can exactly. of soda. Right. And, of course, Phoebe did the Phoebe thing, which was not keep all the money and – and try to find ways around it to help people out and things like that. But it was just another example to me when I saw it. I was like, man, there are so many examples. There's another Chandler moment that we're going to get to in season six that is very similar to How I Met Your Mother. But I continue to watch the show and and looking back on it after watching the entire both series, you just see so many crossover moments where there's there's arguments out there that Friends was iterative of Seinfeld and and various other things. Those arguments are going to exist for every show that has ever been made except the first one because some idea interspersed its way into a creator's head that otherwise would not have been there had they not been influenced by the culture that came before.
0: On Twitter, 3 hl for life asked right. us the question, what about the the conversation that's gone around for a while that Friends is basically a ripoff of Living Single?
1: Living Single single. It's a great
0: show. Queen Latifah and crew. 1993, so a year before Friends, on the Fox Network. And Fox, in a lot of ways, very much in its infancy there. Um, and I think if if I were involved in Living Single and I'm looking at Friends, there are a lot of parallels that I'd be very quick to see. And, um, and I th- if I recall, they were both Warner Brothers properties. Yeah, but I mean, how many original ideas really are there i mean well friends was knocked for trying to be quote unquote a knockoff of seinfeld yeah which i never really saw i don't think so either but you you mentioned how i met your mother and how i met your mother wanted to be you know uh you know just a derivative of friends and i've seen countless sitcoms in the years that have followed since friends went off the air where they're trying to kind of recapture that magic because you know friends was a was a sitcom that worked on many, many different levels with an ensemble cast. And so that's what everyone shoots for. And, you know, this is I think this is just one of those situations of right place, right time, right network, right lead in. You know, despite the fact that they were the lead in for many of those years, Uh, sometimes it just it takes off like gangbusters. And and sometimes, uh, you know, it peters out after two or three years. But I I could certainly see that anyone who predated Friends, and Living Single is a great example of that, where you could easily look up and say, this feels a lot like what we were trying to do, and why didn't it work? Why didn't our situation work whereas this one did? And I'd say there's probably no less than 10 12 15 reasons you could kind of dig into and say well you know the the promotion level or just the chemistry of the cast or any any number of things
1: yes but there again there's no original ideas out there that's why we're seeing we're about to see a remake of memento why exactly are we seeing a remake of a movie that's not even 20 years old that's a cla- that's great that's a classic
0: i saw a trailer for a remake of child's I mean, play come on man chucky I mean, is Gruden going to star in it? I don't are know what no, the differences are. Are there no original ideas anymore no. in Hollywood? No. Like, they've all been taken. Yes. I, there's going to come a day, even though Bob Gale swears it will never happen.
1: It better never happen.
0: That someone's going to try to recreate Back to the Future. And I'm going to cry, and I'm going to sob,
1: and I'm going to write a whole lot of think pieces about how there's bad some these things, people are for trying there's this. There's some
0: things you just don't mess with. Yeah. But someone's going to do it. Because the, it, it, apparently there are no original ideas in Hollywood anymore.
1: I would agree. So one guy that we have to talk about, and this is season three, was John Favreau's character oh. of Pete Becker, the UFC fighter. John, and Favreau. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. So
0: John Favreau actually auditioned for the role of Chandler Bing. Yeah, I don't know that that... Well,
1: I don't know. He's got that same kind of... I could have seen that working. I think they got it right,
0: but I could have seen that. This was if If memory serves, this was the first time I'm trying to remember where Richard kind of came into 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 play here
1: uh he came in I'm jumping around
0: okay, so Richard was season two, yes, he was basically the season two, so joint. for all intents and purposes, Pete Becker was a little bit of a rebound for Monica because as season two wound down and they're at the wedding. They kind of determined that the relationship's going nowhere because Richard's just not willing to have children. Right. Monica's life is a little bit in shambles. She's not a chef. She gets fired from her chef job. She ends up working at a diner, uh, dressed almost like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, she's
1: doing Be- the deal with the roller skates here making fake fun of, of her. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And in walks Pete Becker. Pete Becker, who is showing her all kinds of attention. Uh, really seems enamored with her, and who we come to find out is a billionaire.
1: And Friends is just a fever dream yeah. of Pete Becker's <laughs> no, imagination. That's not where
0: I'm going. I'm <laughs> not going where I'm going. This isn't a hallucination anymore. <laughs> but Pete Becker, uh, it takes a while. Monica's not as into Pete Becker as Pete is into Monica. Right. And eventually, he like takes her to Italy for pizza. Like That's their date. And... It, it, Things end up happening, and she and Pete become an item. And then there's the episode where she's basically house-sitting for him, and Joey finds his checkbook, and it says, you know, a ring design company. And she's convinced that Pete Becker, the billionaire, is going to propose to her. And what ends up happening is is that Pete – Becker is actually having an octagon built because he wants to become the ultimate fighting champion.
1: And this is when UFC was way different than it is these days. This is when it really looked like a farce. And you had the Gracie family and you had Ken Shamrock and you had those kind of guys. And you
0: had, who appeared in the episode, Tank Abbott. That's right. Tank Abbott just wiped the floor with Pete Becker. Yes. Pete Becker then convinces Monica to let him continue. He has another fight that you don't see, but is over within seconds. And there's a conversation between Monica and Pete, and the conversation basically says, I, "I, I love you, but I can't watch you do this to yourself. So if you want to continue to be the ultimate fighting champion, you're going to have to do it without me." And that's where they leave it. He's never spoken of. He's never seen again. He's never even mentioned. So what happened to Pete Becker? That's a good question. Did he become the ultimate fighting champion? Do you have a? I, 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 because he was never mentioned again. I'm watching this episode last I think night. He
1: got killed in the, in the I
0: octagon. Think, I think Kimbo Slice like oh. killed
1: him in the octagon. <laughs> that's, I don't know that that's as dark as the Phoebe thing, but it's.
0: <laughs> I think Pete Becker died took in a dirt nap. I think he gave it all he had. yeah to the end that his neck snapped i'm telling you in a rear naked choke otherwise why don't you ever hear about him again Wouldn't they bring it up like if he'd made it to the big time now it's possible that he faded away from the ufc and he just went back to being a billionaire
1: i'm gonna look this up or i'm gonna try to look this up i want to find out what exactly happened to john favreau in 96 in his life to see like how fast they wrote him out and whether or not it was always planned. What didn't happen Swingers to John happened in '96?
0: Yeah, see. which he
1: also co-wrote. That's what I thought. That's why I looked it up. Swingers, which I had a poster of, a full one sheet in multiple places that I've lived throughout my life. He did Swingers in '96. Then came very bad things in '98, uh, and some other things. But Swingers literally hit at the same
0: time. And that's what made John Favreau. And season three for Friends was kind of the season where the cameos really started. Dude, I've got the list
1: um, right in front of me. Tom Selleck obviously was was on there throughout a lot of
0: it. Season two for him.
1: David Arquette popped out there. And, of course, Courtney Cox would become Courtney Cox Arquette later on in the run. Christine Taylor was there. Isabella Rossellini, who was on the laminated list or was in the top five for Ross Geller. That's right. Uh, Robin Williams, yes. main appearance. Sherilyn Finn. Billy Crystal was on that year. Ben Stiller was on that year. And those are just some of them. June Gable. Estelle was obviously there a good bit as well. A few other things that, that happened around the same time is the Dr. Remore yes. scenario that happened within you know seasons two and three where Joey went from being the VD guy to playing Al Pacino's butt. (laughs) That's right. And then eventually became Dr. Drake Ramore on the soap and then did an interview where he said, I do all my lines, and then he fell down an elevator shaft
0: an episode later. You do not upset the soap opera writers yes that's the biggest that, that if you take anything away from friends and you make it on a soap opera don't upset the writers yes they'll throw you down an elevator shaft kill you off every time
1: but i mean that was one of the better joey arcs i thought of the whole series was Absolutely. when he was dr drake Ramore and things were again i always rooted for these characters so i liked when good things were happening to him like when we get to four five and six here in a couple of minutes you know monica and phoebe working together and how that all played out, and and all of those things. Like there were so many little things where Joey didn't have a whole lot to do, and then finally, all right, Joey's got something to do. And right around that same time is when Eddie moved in, and there's that character that the, needs to be discussed before arc, we go any further. The either arc,
0: the arc with Eddie is—he was one of my favorites because he was legitimately psychotic. Uh,
1: yes, Adam Goldberg was
0: fantastic I mean, he should be in our list of cameos i mean he went on to become a, a big star and he's you know sitting around dehydrating fruit and, yeah you know, and yeah and so um and that was the time where you know joey had had made it he's become dr drake remore he's moved out on his own and the only thing that you wanted once they kind of moved him out of the apartment was to just tr- figure out a way to get him back
1: absolutely you and never wanted him living alone. You felt like Chandler and, and him needed to be together forever. Well, up until one thing happened that changed your opinion, basically. And that was when Chandler and Monica yes. happened. Yeah, at that point, it was, it was time. Yeah, but they had been together long enough at that point. Looking at some of the season two guest stars, the Charlie Sheen appearance, yeah, which that was one. sort of in- interesting, just kind of a throwaway deal with the chicken pox.
0: There have been some things in looking back – that haven't necessarily aged well uh just in terms of hindsight being 2020 20, that one is not necessarily off putting but charlie sheen went through a moment where i mean he was just you know everywhere and you know we've we've come to learn that you know he's he's dealing with aids and all those kinds of things but i mean there was at one point where he was you know, he art. was about as A-list
1: as A-list got.
0: He was in the late '80s. I
1: mean, he had Wall Street come out in '87, which was obviously gigantic. Then he had Young Guns in '98. Then he or '88. Then he does Eight Men Out. Major League happens, which was big. Hot Shots happens. Three Musketeers happens. That's all before '93. That's still a few years before. He ends up on Friends. By the time he's on Friends, he's still Charlie Sheen. He's an A-lister. And we still don't know anything really negative well, about Charlie th- and Sheen And I guess either. that's the
0: point is that, you know, looking back now and, you know, the Tiger Blood and all that stuff, you know, winning and all that. Yeah, yeah. That was the kind of the crazy Charlie Sheen time. Th- this time that, that, that you're mentioning, I mean, he was an A-list star.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, he he absolutely was. And I think you kind of look at it now and you're just like, it's not quite to this level. So this is a very imperfect analogy. But it's like trying to watch a Chris Benoit match in 2019.
0: Yeah. I'd because that's you fair. know
1: how troubled he was. You know how
0: that ended. Yes.
1: Yeah. Now this That was a much worse example. But it's just another another deal where it's kind of hard to go back. You sort of cringe. But it was still a pretty funny episode for what that's worth. And my girlfriend, being, being a doctor me, we said, you know, chickenpox for an adult is actually life-threatening. At which point I said, okay, I had no idea wow. that he was actually like taking his life into his hands. <laughs> well, now we know. In that episode. Another thing that bothered me as we start to maybe kind of move towards season four, the episode where Monica got sick and she was on the couch. Yeah, because Phoebe had the sexy voice. Yes, exactly. This drove me bonkers. She's sitting, she's a neat freak, right? Right. Total neat freak. There's a trash can like five feet a pile the, of kleenex pile on the floor she <laughs> yeah. would never do that no that's kind of out of character for her and then two minutes later she's like can you get my cough drops and they're on a table it's like why would the cough drops not be within your own arm's reach i don't know why these logic like these quick logic moments drove me insane but the neat freak thing just the idea that they tried to move an ottoman rachel tried to move an ottoman that's right and she's like just for just for fun. Let's put it back where it was and see how that looks. Maybe we could just leave it there. Yeah, let's just leave it there. Yeah. It's so out of character for Monica
0: to throw those on the floor. There's no way that would have happened. A season three episode that sticks with me, and I'm not sure it sticks with a lot of people, is the one with the hypnosis tape. Mm. Where Chandler is trying to stop smoking. And again, this goes back to when, he, when he's when he got issues in his life, he goes back to smoking. And so they... That's, I can't remember who gave it to him, but they give him a hypnosis tape. I think it was Rachel. Lady in my office used this tape to quit smoking cold turkey. Yeah. And so he listens to this tape while he's sleeping. And he starts exhibiting a lot of, uh, what would you say, just, just effeminate um, yeah, mannerisms. Very, yeah, very and, different behavior. Yeah, you know, like um, the, the line is... Um, just make sure he understands that him buying you dinner doesn't mean you owe him anything right 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 yeah. almost like he's got estrogen if that's the case order the lobster yeah right, and then what you find out is that the that the smoking cessation tape says you're a strong, confident woman who yes. doesn't need to smoke mean right. so uh that one always that one always cracked me up,
1: and then we haven't talked at all really about Frank Jr or not too much. Giovanni Ribisi is a really talented actor, and he's done some good things in his career. And this was not the first thing he had done as a sitcom because he was on My Two Dads. Right? It was he was, it was it was him and Dick Buckus and Stacey Keenan, and then it was Paul Reiser and the other guy that no one ever remembers his name that I think played Joey. I think his name was Joey on the show. Might have that wrong. It was
0: Greg something wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I believe that's right. But I watched My Two Dads. I remember You Can't Count on Me and Clowicki's and all of that. I remember so many things that are never going to help me in life except in podcasts like this. But Giovanni Rabisi, the Frank Jr. character was really intriguing because there was a lot of negative. It wasn't negative, but it was, it was dramatic tension created by just him. He was funny, but at the same time, he was sort of a tragic character. Sure. And I think that that also played well with Phoebe because of all the characters, she also was the most tragic and the one where the drama, and that's why I told you I thought Joey might have been lower on that list because it seemed like Phoebe did more important things.
0: By the way, Greg Evigan. Ah, there you go. Yeah, not one I would have remembered without the aid of the intranet. Yes. Um, Frank Jr., interesting character. Um, He had actually appeared, I believe in season one, as a guy who had accidentally dropped a condom into Phoebe's um, guitar case. Yes. And he came back and he picked it up that character is not identified except like kid that drops condom but uh there's a lot of belief that that was actually Frank Jr but he and Phoebe would not have known each other at that point so it didn't matter but th- it's funny when we when we're introduced to his would-be wife mm-hmm. who was his teacher in school same episode as the hypnosis tape yep and um that kind of starts an arc uh throughout the rest of season 3 that Actually, it wouldn't have picked up until season four. So maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, well, we're sort of, we're sort of bridging now.
1: Like, we're sort of going into between the two seasons as we're, as we're starting to make the turn here. So,
0: so, so we should back up a
1: moment. Well, we could talk about the chicken and the duck, too. Yeah, we can't
0: Probably forget. Probably needs
1: to be mentioned. Can't forget the chicken the duck. Yeah. By the
0: way, Lisa Kudrow was terrified of the duck. Like in real life, in she real was terrified life, of the duck? Terrified of the duck. That seems unnecessary. And David Schwimmer was not a fan of, of Marcel the monkey in real life. That was sort of, it was interesting. Marcel
1: was a very sitcom thing to do. Yeah.
0: But it just, it, it didn't work for a lot of reasons. And one was it slowed down their production. Yeah. But by the end of season three, we're going to the beach. Ross and Rachel are off again. But there's there's a little bit of sexual tension. Ross is dating Bonnie. Bonnie, to bring you up to speed, was Phoebe's friend who Rachel okayed, thinking that she was bald. Yes. Christine Taylor. She's yes. grown her hair back out. Rachel's not a fan. But they go to the beach because Phoebe wants to find out where her dad is. And so she, she goes to the beach and she meets her namesake, Phoebe, who was friends with her parents. Mm-hmm. Come to find out that's her biological mother. Exactly.
1: And then that takes time to – that becomes another long-running deal where she has to – sort of reevaluate how she feels about her mother and her mother immediately tries to come back Terry to New York. Terry Garcia tries Garr. to come back to New York. Actually shows up at Central Park. Yes. It says you looked for your family. I'm family. Right. But at that point Phoebe's not ready to embrace that
0: side. So they all go to Montauk. To go to the beach. So that she can meet this friend of her parents, and it's just it's the core group of friends. Bonnie is is a little bit upset; she can't go; she has to work, and so they 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 end up in the flooded beach house playing strip happy days game. Yes, because Joey wanted to play strip poker, and Bonnie shows back up. Rachel then just prompts Bonnie to shave her head again, which sets off a conversation between Ross and Rachel, which basically reignites their relationship yeah. because
1: ross realizes why in the world would you have her do something like that do you hate me but almost it's
0: that's what i would have thought like do you hate me so the season three finale is ross opening a door in the beach house not knowing who he's going in to see and the beginning of season four as we turn the page what you find out is it was a little bit of a throwaway they're both in the room that he walked into yes but he's picking rachel and so we have ross and rachel again He breaks up with Bonnie. He sends Bonnie home in a cab, and he's handed a a letter. It's 18 pages, front and back. Yes. And he goes downstairs to read it. Falls asleep. And he falls asleep. The next morning, Rachel asks him, can you do what's in the letter? And does it sound like something you can do? And he says, it does. Yeah. Because he has no idea. He hasn't read. No idea. Yes. Yes. And what he realizes is that he's agreed to take full responsibility for their breakup, which is more than he can stomach. And he says to Joey and he says to Chandler, I can't do this. And they say, you know what? Just deal with it. There's the whole, it so does not. You're going to, you're going to mess up the best thing you ever had. So we have Ross and Rachel back for that episode. And then they're done again. And this time. It's, they're done for. They're done for the year. Yeah, it's over. I mean,
1: it's over. Yeah, and, and then they, then they throw in another obstacle. Whereas Ross meets somebody else. Welcome to season four. Yes. Yeah.
0: Season four. Here we are. Yes. So we're
1: up to speed. Yeah. And season four is just kind of the Emily year.
0: So Emily and the
1: Phoebe pregnancy year.
0: So Emily Waltham um, is a Helen Baxendale. Yes. She's a niece of. Rachel's boss at Bloomingdale's? Uh, Yes. I believe that's correct. And she is supposed to take her out on the town and entertain her. What ends up happening is that Rachel is trying to set up a date with Joshua. Not Josh. Don't call him Josh. Right. Joshua. And so she talks Ross into taking Emily out on the town. Season four in a nutshell is... That leads to a lot. Ross falls in love with Emily, and they decide to get married. Yes. Uh Uh-oh. Roadblock.
1: Yeah, and
0: that's what this show
1: is. It's a series of roadblocks around that one storyline, and then it becomes more important what other characters are doing as it goes along. They end up, obviously, in the U.K. for the wedding, but before they get there between season three and season four a couple of the producers of the show suggested let's go to England for an episode yes and they already had sort of this storyline mapped out so it ends up working out to send it over there and then of course you get a few more cameos that are going on you know during that point in time but it is intriguing to me the way they start season four in that he's you don't know who he's going in to see and then they're both in the room but I think that the point there is it doesn't matter that they're both in the room. You were supposed to be asking yourself the question all summer, who do you want him to be with? Who do you want to be in that room? It doesn't matter that it turns out whatever it turns out to be. Your question, it wasn't that they they didn't snow you over. They knew where they were going, but they simply wanted the discussion. They wanted you thinking about it for months. And then, okay, now we're going to tell you what we did. I didn't feel like it was, like, there are some things that you just feel like, all right, I was just manipulated. I didn't feel that way about this because before that episode was out, he had made his choice and it had already gone totally wrong. Sure. So I thought it worked out well and I enjoyed that. And then around that, we knew that was the one story. So we got the jellyfish and we got some other funny things that the other characters were doing. And then we got Phoebe's family story a little bit as well during that point. But this was as Rachel Ross as anything was outside of, like, the wedding itself in London and just a couple of other tentpole moments. This was as two-character-specific as this show ever got for those two.
0: We mentioned at the beginning of season three how the the quote-unquote hot girl at the Xerox place with the belly button ring was carefully crafted into the first couple of episodes. Right. And it turned out that she ended up being a central character in breaking up Ross and Rachel. Season four has a very similar um, arc, if you will, that they planted the seed on. They went away from, never came back to it, and then they drop it on you like an anvil. And that was Chandler and Monica. Yes. As Chandler and Monica are, are laying on the beach in season four, episode one, Chandler's kind of quizzing her. He says, let's just say there's a nuclear apocalypse I'm the last man on earth. Would you date me then? Right. And she says, eh, she, she's not into him. And I don't know at that point necessarily that he's totally into her, but there's this weird conversation that's happening. Like, how did we come to this point? And they they kind of drop it. They leave it. It's not a thing until we get to London, and we get to London, and we find out it is a thing. It is. It turns out to be a full-blown thing. Yes. Yeah
1: the best thing to me that the show ever did That's I can go ahead and spoil that now because it's four five and six. And that's where most of it all happens. I felt like without that storyline, I don't know how I would view friends. Not that I wouldn't have loved it, but to me it was that storyline that made the show. And that was a relationship that again, they found a way to throw obstacles in and we'll talk about the wedding and, and all of those kinds of things and the proposal that, that ends season six uh, here in just a little bit. But That was the thing that, to me, gave this show 10 seasons. You can't take Rachel and Ross 10 years without something else relevant going on that takes up a whole lot of airtime and takes up a whole lot of attention. And I think it was Monica and Chandler and how they played that out. And honestly, Courtney Cox and Matthew Perry working well together in those roles, and both of them being so neurotic that it, it could work. And you could believe that it could work. That is what made the show to me more than anything else because I know what they wanted to give me with Rachel and Ross. This other thing was more organic feeling. It just felt like we were taken along for this ride that we weren't necessarily expecting. We knew within 10 minutes Rachel and Ross was a thing we were supposed to pay attention to. We did not know the same thing at all about Monica and Chandler, which is why I go back and I say things that are just theoretical. They had no clue at the time, but... Just the the whole deal where it was him being snarky to Monica's boyfriend at the point in time. You just go back and you're just like, those characters were made for each other. And somehow along the way, the writers figured that out. And I think it gave them two or three more years that maybe they wouldn't have had. I'm not saying the ratings would have dropped off. Maybe they would have gone 10. But they wouldn't have gone 10 good seasons without that. At some
0: point, we'll tweet out an article. There's a great article on Vulture that talks about the process behind the decision to put Chandler and Monica together and how their relationship would differ from a Ross and Rachel. Whereas Ross and Rachel, there was plenty of backstory that you didn't necessarily get until years later. But in a lot of respects, it was like someone lit a firecracker and boom, there's just magnetism and it just goes off. Whereas Chandler and Monica had more of this evolution that over the course of time it would just kind of be introduced and there's a, a really interesting story about how basically it was pitched in the writers room during season 3 of like this is something that we think we'd like to do and there was pushback there was pushback in the room but probably because they they didn't from want to the see, actors
1: out of these 6 people do we need two couples out of this because right. it seems so contrived right. are we also going to put Phoebe and Joey together before it's all said and done
0: there were a lot of reservations it almost didn't happen so at some point, we'll tweet that, that out because it's a really interesting read.
1: Yeah, uh, and again, if you want to go to How I Met Your Mother and them getting it wrong, Robin and Barney kind of happened organically. We didn't see that coming because we're all paying attention to Ted and Robin this entire time. Then this thing comes around that actually works, but they wouldn't let it work because they needed to get to where they had, they had boxed themselves in, they thought, from the pilot episode that the whole deal was, oh, Aunt Robin, but she's going to turn out to be everything that you thought she was going to be from the beginning. I think if they had just left the actual mother alive and let Barney and Robin have just been happy, I think that that show would have been received so much better on the way out the door than it was. And that to me is where friends got it right in that once they got Monica and Chandler together, I mean, they were neurotic and all that, but they were also in love the entire time and we didn't see you know, all this argument crap that so many other shows, I think, get wrong. Before we get to Monica, we get Kathy, and that was an early part of the season four storyline with Paget Brewster that I remember more than maybe any of the secondary plots that went on, not just because Chandler ended up in a box, but just because I think for the first time you saw Chandler as more than just the snarky guy because of the velveteen rabbit and because of just the way he reacted to this person you're like okay there's a level of depth to the chandler bing character that we may not have fully appreciated
0: well and season four introduced conflict in a way in a way that perhaps maybe it hadn't been there before because as as he kind of acts on his relationship with uh with kathy he betrays joey And he he feels feels terrible about it while feels terrible about it, ends up spending the episode in the box, kind of doing his doing his time. But there. Yeah, that was that was a big part of it. Um, And, and, you know, it's it's interesting because you, you rooted for Chandler in that scenario because you saw, as you mentioned, with the Velveteen Rabbit, you saw that he was really dialed into her. He got her. Yeah, like in a way fit. that
1: Joey didn't. They fit and Joey was just she's a hot girl. It was and, a fling. And Joey's a nice guy. Right. But that whole moment where they're at the bar with the three of them. Yeah. And Joey like calls Chandler over and is like, You just walked away. If you don't like her, blah, blah, blah. And so he just pours his heart out and tells everything yeah. that we know is the truth. And Joey's yeah. like, All right, maybe a little too
0: strong. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I just want to tell her I'm so in love with her that you know, I can't, right. can't stand to be in the room with her. Yeah.
1: Right. And yeah. then of course even though Chandler and Kathy seemed to be a very good match in terms of maybe not personality, but things that they had in common, I guess. Yeah. But I don't think anyone was surprised that it didn't last either.
0: No, it it ultimately ended up being kind of a short-lived thing. Yeah. Chandler's neuroses got the better of him. And, you know, he worried that because the way he and Kathy got together, meant that he might lose Kathy to somebody else and And look that's something I think
1: that we all go through like if you're if a relationship of yours starts because you end up breaking up I don't know whoever it is then how in the world can you fully trust that that's not going to be the case for you
0: and so what ends up happening is he ends up basically forcing her into the arms of somebody else right right it's he, It's a self-fulfilling prophecy for old Chandler Bing.
1: Yeah, there was no trust because Chandler didn't have any real self-esteem in himself. No. That's something we've known about that character from the beginning. That's why I said last week when we did that sort of word association, this is a guy who uses sarcasm as a defense mechanism about his insecurities. And that's why Janice was always his security blanket. Right, because he knew he could always get Janice back and that she would always be the person that would buy him bullwinkle socks. <laughs> because, you know, he can do... Two Bullwinkles, or he can do two Rockies, or he can get really wild and go Bullwinkle left, Rocky right. It's pretty good. Yes.
0: Is is Janice unfairly criticized? I mean, she was just a nice...
1: She's nasal, and she's... Well, I mean, I think that played into it. Maggie Wheeler's laugh laugh and, and all of that just kind of... You wanted to be irritated. I think the writers wanted you to be irritated by her, but not necessarily to dislike her. She didn't necessarily do anything... She was just a doting girlfriend. Yeah. But I think that maybe to a degree where she would actually place her identity in Chandler. And I think we can all be guilty of that from time to time in failed relationships. But that's why she would always take it so hard every single time. But you always knew that that was just going to be a tragedy for her. Every time she came back into his life, okay, well, we know what he's doing here. And th- that's the only time you don't necessarily root for Chandler. Right. Because you know... That he is doing something that he recognizes is a short term fix to a problem
0: that needs something more. Right. Lisa Kudrow became pregnant during season four. Yep. uh, With her son. Yes. Who is now somewhere in the neighborhood of 22 years old. So feel old with us for a moment. Yeah. Well, the show's 25 years old. But it created a problem because they, 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 they. here you have this actress, she's an integral part of your show, but her character's not really in a story arc that that lends itself to a pregnancy. So we go back to Frank Jr. and find he, a way
1: that they want a kid and
0: and she becomes a surrogate yes. for her her brother and and sister-in-law. And they
1: do tell the story about the surrogate that wants to keep the child and and all those things like going through the emotions. A lot of women become surrogates, and then all of a sudden
0: realize, "How am I supposed to give this up?" Right, and, and so that's part of it. I want to keep one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the that's the line. Can I tell you a secret? I want to keep one. You remember the name of the triplets? Uh one was Chandler. Yes. Which uh, is just interesting one was on Frank its own level. Junior Junior. Yes, and the other was. It's I don't, I Leslie. don't Leslie Leslie Leslie. What was the connection to Leslie? Was there one? I don't know. I,
1: I was trying to th- – that's why I was asking you because I was hoping that you had the answer to that question.
0: Um, but – Well, I just remember that the, the payoff was uh, that Chandler, the one they had decided they were going to name Chandler, turned out to be a girl. And so Frank Jr. comes charging out of the delivery room and yells, Chandler's a girl, Chandler's a girl. (laughs) Right. (laughs) To the point with Matthew Perry's Chandler character says, oh, no, no, no.
1: High school flashback, you know. (laughs) So of all the obstacles that went on, especially during these three seasons, as we end up with two relationships by the end, by the end of season six. But who was the most annoying love interest? Oh, wow. Because there are a
0: couple of different candidates here. Okay, we, so we're looking outside. We're, we're looking at love interests of the top six characters. Yes. Who would have been the most annoying? Okay, I'll, I'll throw one out. It may not be the most annoying, but Ben Stiller's character, the screamer. Yeah, that
1: was, he was bad. Yeah,
0: that was, um, that one was interesting on a couple of levels because Ross was still pining for Rachel and he wanted. Um, the screamer again. His name escapes me. To 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 blow up. He would always blow up when no one was watching. Right. And um, he would scream at people at the theater, and he would scream at um, he would scream at Ross for nearly spilling a cup of coffee on him, and he ultimately screamed at the duck or the chick. And, yeah, and you uh, can't do that. And that was when he was kind of discovered, and they they kicked him out. Yes, it so, was yeah. Tommy. Was Ben Stiller's character's name? Bad, bad, and annoying love interest. Yes, that's uh, my. I mean, story. Paolo
1: maybe probably the most annoying because well, yeah. he was designed to be. But think about maybe the main ones that got in the way of the two biggest relationships on the show. Richard, yep. Emily. Richard was pretty likable. Until Until you didn't want him around and all of a sudden Monica decides to start seeing like going to dinner with him or lunch with him. Richard was really likable in season two. Yeah, when he was just I'm not sure Emily was ever really likable. I don't either. That's that's what I'm I'm thinking Emily was she was the one that got in the way at the time where you just didn't want to see anybody get in the way. Yeah. I would rather I would have rather seen them both apart just living life As opposed to her being involved in it. And then them going to London. You knew when they went to London what a disaster it was about to be. Because you don't take
0: trips on sitcoms that are going to go well. Almost ever. She became pregnant in real life. And part of the reason she was written off so quickly is because she was not able to come back to the States and and shoot more footage. Most of the footage you see of her in season, um, season three, I guess it is, is shot. Overseas. Yes. And, and they kind of mask her pregnancy by putting her in a bed and covering her up with, with blankets and those kinds of things. And she's on the phone. And that's where she became just almost abhorrently unlikable Correct. because she said to Ross, I'll come to New York and we'll try to work this out, but you can never see Rachel again.
1: And that's just, you knew that was an ask he wasn't going to be able to fulfill. And you also, I think I thought when I first saw that, they're going to try to do this. And it's going to be really hard to watch because he's going to have to tell Rachel, you can't be in my life anymore in any capacity. And I have to go with, you know, what feels right for the rest of my life and all these kinds of things, knowing it was going to fail and knowing, I think, internally how bad it was for both of them. She
0: made him give up his apartment. She wanted to sell all of his furniture. And he did all those things. And they're basically having the get-together because Ross has said, look, I'm the one who's creating these issues and I'm going to be the one to kind of step away. And because I'm going to do that, you guys don't worry about me. And so they're basically having a going away party for Ross, a get together and the phone rings and it's Emily and they put her on speakerphone, And she says, well, who am I talking to? And Joey says, well, I don't know who's here, but I'll tell you who's not here. And that's Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point it forces Ross to say, Rachel's here. And it effectively ends their relationship. Right. And then you have Ross, who's at this point homeless. And so we hate all of this. Yes. Like We hate all this. And this is like, I'm looking at
1: episode five of season five. And that's where Ross tells Rachel Emily won't let him see her anymore. And so she thinks she's going to get just kicked out of the group at this point. So this is awful. As a viewer, you're just cringing because you hate all of this. And it's then that Joey figures out that Monica and Chandler actually have a relationship. Yes, they're doing laundry. And that storyline was phenomenal. Just like Joey getting tired of keeping the secret and how they let everybody find out. And I guess it took nine episodes before you know you really got to the point where people actually figured it out. Because it's a 14th episode of season five where they all figure it out and they do the... This is my bra
0: with Phoebe. (laughs) It's very, very nice. Yeah.
1: Where they don't know that we know that we... Yeah, all of that They don't know that we know
0: they know we know. Right.
1: All of that was great. And they needed it because this thing with Emily, Rachel, and Ross was so hard to watch for the fans of the show who were fans of the characters. Because at that point, you just wanted Helen Baxendale to go away. So I think that they timed it well because... As they were just tearing you apart in this one side, they immediately did this other thing that you wanted. You wanted to get to the reveal, but you also liked Joey having to go through this on his own.
0: Oh yeah, I mean Matt LeBlanc in those episodes, being able to sell the the general cluelessness of the Joey Tribbiani character, while at the same time being the only person who had that information, was just comedy gold. So then when other people start to find out, you see his almost childlike excitement of, oh, thank God I don't have to keep this secret anymore. Um, but, you know, even after Phoebe finds out and even after Rachel finds out, then they don't want Ross to know because right. they haven't told him yet. Ross is going through a bit of an existential crisis during this time because, again, he's he's, he's given up his apartment. He's lost uh, his job because he's very unstable. He's just found the apartment across the street, which used to belong to Ugly Naked Guy. That's right. He's moved in. He's brought his supervisor over to explain to him, I'm back on my feet and things are going well. And he looks out the window and he And he sees it. He sees Monica and Chandler fooling around through the window. And now he realizes that something's going on. Does Ugly Naked Guy need to be discussed? It was a
1: good little recurring gag that only required... Five to ten seconds of exposition because yeah. all you had to say is, Ooh, ugly naked guy's bought a Ooh, thigh master.
0: Ugly naked guy's got a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Ugly naked girl. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh. <laughs> and then they change their expression after that. There was the one where they thought ugly naked guy died. And so they fashioned the giant poking device to reach That's across right. the street. That's to... <laughs> right. They actually did a
1: lot with the looking through the window. They did the George Stephanopoulos deal. Yep. They did a number of different things with that, especially after Ross would end up in those apartments
0: i i actually went to manhattan three years ago yeah, i've seen the photo four years ago and i found that the apartment the exterior of the apartment that you see at the you know at the beginning of every episode and as they come out of break is at the corner of bedford street and grove street in greenwich village and there's a small little restaurant down on the bottom floor it's called the little owl mm-hmm. it's not central perk uh, though we're led to believe that Central Perk is, is basically on the bottom floor of this hotel, or not hotel, but apartment building. And it's it's really cool to see up close, but it's also very obvious by looking at it. And when you watch the show and you look at it, it's clearly not the same floor plan that they're dealing with um, in, in the Geller, Monica Geller apartment. So they end up at
1: the beach at the end of four, or going into four. The end of five... They're in Vegas, and we've got a drunk Ross and a drunk Rachel getting married after we think Monica and Chandler might end up doing that, which was a nice little wrench by the writers. And they were able to tell a a story out of that where, again, Ross can play the tragic figure and say, look, I don't want a third broken marriage, which is how season six opens. Maybe we don't need to get this annulled. And, of course, Rachel is not agreeable to that at all. But, again, it's another couple of pieces of raisin found in the cereal We're just, okay, another couple of morsels. We are not giving up on this thing. We're not going to focus on it constantly and beat you over the head
0: with it. But you are not to forget that these two characters are star-crossed. We're back to will they or won't they. Yes. And will they or won't they for a moment turns into Chandler and Monica. And will they get married in Vegas? And what ends up happening is while we've been paying attention to Monica and Chandler, Ross and Rachel have gone and gotten drunk, and as they as they go to the, the chapel, here comes Ross and Rachel, and now they're married. We just got Ross and Rachel. We didn't even know it was going to happen.
1: Friends does misdirection really well. They do. They make you look in one direction, and then they bring something completely out at you that you are not going to be upset to see, but that you weren't paying attention to. And then season six is basically, I mean, the, the long and short of season six is the annulment potential starts uh, off the first episode. And then Monica and Chandler are starting to, should we get married? Maybe we're going to get signs. Like they're starting to look around and they're both so neurotic that it can't play out easily. So it takes the entire season to get to the proposal. And here comes how I met your mother crossover number 865,000. Okay. Do you remember how convoluted Barney's proposal to Robin was? Yes how long the con was, and it plays out in this thing called The Robin. And I remember reading Alan Sepinwall and some other critics that were just like, this show's lost it. Like, this is not believable at all. Why would Robin want anything to do with somebody that would go through all of this? The Patrice! And all of that. (laughs) And in the process, they made Robin incredibly unlikable by the way that she sort of acted during that process. And you get to the end, and I actually enjoyed that episode. But one thing that comedies do... Is that they do not let proposals go through easily, most of the time, and they really don't let weddings go through easily' very true, even on wings, I remember when helen and and uh, Hackett finally and Joe Hackett finally got married uh, Joe's hand was in the toilet, and they had to get married in the bathroom because he he was trying to get her ring out of the toilet, and he got stuck there. That is such a sitcom thing to do, very rarely remember full house remember how. Uncle Jesse and Lori Laughlin's character, whose name, whose character name is Becky. Becky. Yeah, you remember how they got married? Where he wanted to do one more kind of guy parachuted thing, so he parachuted and out and tree. got caught in the tree. Yeah, That's the way comedy handles marriage. It's how they handle weddings. So, of course, Richard's going to show up while Chandler's got this big elaborate deal planned out to surprise Monica. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like... They just upped the ante on how I met your mother and made it worse with the way that they set up Barney because Chandler's deal almost cost him everything. And Barney's deal almost made Robin hate him before he was able to before he was able to win it back. Now they got it right in the end, but to get there, we also have to endure Richard finally
0: offering Monica what she wanted originally. This is where Richard becomes a little unlikable. Very much so. Because he's completely aware of the relationship. Between Chandler and Monica Yes But he sees her He tells her I really really miss having you in my life And I'm willing to give you all those things That I thought so long ago that I wasn't And she says well so is Chandler But Chandler's working the long con on Monica Because while he's decided that he wants to propose And he wants to get married He does not want her to know That he's going to propose So what he ends up doing Is he ends up trying to convince her that he is a um, you know, a complicated fellow, unwilling to take a wife. And what ends up happening. Right. Yeah, <laughs> what ends up happening is he basically scares her right into the arms of, of Richard. And he's got to work double time to try to undo all of that. Yes. I honestly think because Monica is
1: so similar to him, that's why he was able to save it. Like when you really look back, she would have done almost the exact same thing. Because they were both so neurotic. And they overthought everything to death. That it that it played out uh, in that way. A couple of other things from season six that were outside of like the norm that I just remember enjoying was the apothecary table. Yes, just as a from side Pottery story. Barn. Just the idea that it came from Pottery Barn. Yeah, and what a Phoebe thing that is. Yeah,
0: where'd you buy your sheets? The flea market. Oh, you got to buy sheets from a better place than the flea market. Yeah,
1: like yeah. that's that that to me was so on brand. And what I, you would expect that character to be.
0: Can I go back to season five? Oh sure, I just thought of another love interest that I hate hate so much so that when these episodes come on, I just skip them mm.
1: I can't you're gonna hate it too. I'm sure as soon as you say it there's so I, like the, so many of them show up in my head that it's okay. hard. Here's who it is. It's a little obscure. It's Gary,
0: the cop. Michael Rappaport.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I hate Michael
0: Rappaport. Well, that's the that's the start. It's just anytime Michael Rappaport's on the screen for more than about 3 minutes. But it's just unlikable. There's nothing likeable. Phoebe finds the Phoebe finds the badge. She's going around playing, you know, citizen arrest yes. on everybody. Yes. Apologize to the tree, you know, that kind of thing. She ends up running into Gary. Turns out it's it's Gary's badge. He asks her out. They become a thing until he wants to move in, and she thinks it's too much. And so they do, and they wake up one morning, and he looks out the window, and there's a bird singing outside his windowsill, and he pulls out his revolver and just takes the bird down, and that's the end of their arc. But
1: Yeah, that was annoying.
0: I didn't. They also
1: used a sandwich as a plot device twice during that season, one involving the ride-along with Joey's sandwich in the car. Where he tried to save the sandwich. Right, yeah, which was hilarious, and Ross's sandwich as well. Earlier on in that season, he had the Thanksgiving leftover. That's right, sandwich that also played in. They I, used the sandwich I as a plot device twice. I think in there's five. some
0: in my trash. Let me see if it's still there. Exactly,
1: yeah. but yeah, you're right. That Rappaport thing was, it was it was weird, and it didn't seem to fit. Not a fan. Why would Phoebe be with a cop? Why would a Bohemian be with a cop? Why would someone who's homeless outside fever dreaming? this entire show fever dream being with a cop in the last week you've thought
0: about that a lot of course i have (laughs) it's hideous i'm trying my best to let it go you know a great uh cameo that happened over the course of a few episodes in season six was that of bruce willis that's right as the father of elizabeth the college student that ross is dating ross is making some bad decisions
1: uh yeah he's He's, he's been known
0: to do that he's dating one of his students yes he was you know married to Rachel and and didn't get the annulment made her believe that he got the annulment because he didn't want to get divorced another time so we end up we end up meeting Elizabeth, who's the college student that 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 Ross is dating a lot of no-nos there and we meet her father, it's Bruce Willis, who actually did the show he donated his entire salary from doing the show because he agreed to do the show while working with Matthew Perry on The Whole Nine Yards. That's a good movie. It was a good movie that came out, I guess, early 2000?
1: Uh, yeah, somewhere
0: around there. He agreed to do the cameo, uh, but as part of a bet that he lost, because he lost the bet, he donated his entire salary from appearing on the show to charity.
1: A few episodes back-to-back that are happening around that same time um, that we were just dis- discussing. Two was kind of sideline deals where a lot isn't necessarily happening is Phoebe's running <laughs> which is a classic
0: which is right after Rachel moves in: exactly with Phoebe exactly,
1: and that was kind of intriguing too, was Rachel having to move out, and yeah. the way that they played that out that made a lot of sense because we had come to know where these people were, and Rachel being with Monica dates back to the pilot where she just had to have she needed somewhere to live. And then all of a sudden, everything kind of changed. But they went from Phoebe runs to Ross's teeth in back-to-back <laughs> episodes.
0: I, I, the, the Ross's teeth, I think, overplayed. And it's one of those where it's just like real-life logic doesn't work because I watched that episode and I'm thinking, you know, if you just said, you know, I really wanted to make a good impression and so I had my teeth whitened and this is what happened, I think that the, the girl that he's dating would be like, oh, well, they look hideous, but that's awfully nice of you. Instead, you know, he tries to mask it, mask it for the entire date, in which point she decides we should turn down the lights, and she turns on a black light, which just accentuates the teeth.
1: Yes. I mean, they were doing some, some fun little things. Of course, during these
0: seasons was the free porn. Yes. That obviously. Well, you know, we didn't talk about in great detail. We, we, we jumped over this. And that is the, the, the trivia matchup, oh, that's one of the caused one of them the to most trade imp- apartments. That's one of the most important
1: deals. I thought for a second they might let it stick longer than they did, but it didn't make sense for Monica not to have the apartment with that kitchen and because everything, so many things happened around that kitchen table and around that stuff, and it needed the touch that it had. It needed the space. It needed the design. It didn't need a boat in the living room like Joey and Chandler obviously did with the chicken, the duck, and and all the things. Yeah, the canoe. My apologies. But there were a lot of interesting things happening. Chandler not being able to cry happening in his season (laughs) six and them trying whatever they could. And Matthew Perry like with the fake trying-to-cry face, which was utterly hilarious. They brought in Reese Witherspoon as Rachel's sister in that episode. Uh, They did a lot of interesting stuff. And then came Unagi. Unagi. And unagi is just another one of those great Ross things, like Ross had a couple of really great things. they had the we don't use the middle finger that we can't really do on the radio, but I mean, you can try you, but
0: you know but you know that you're picturing it in your head already yes.
1: maybe I can do it. just knock your hands together yes
0: you can you can do it however you need to do it, but when Jack and Judy are around, you can't flip the bird yes,
1: and got to figure out something speaking of which. We get this from season one, and you start to see this whole deal where Ross seems to be the favored child. Oh, it's... Uh, because Monica's mom is uber-critical of her. They
0: don't even try to mask them. Not at all. He is... He's... Um, yeah. Everything about Ross, in their mind, is superior to Monica.
1: And go back to the prom video episode that we discussed last week, and just the idea that they were so behind Ross like when he was trying to fill in for Rachel's date, Monica was in that deal too. You know, she had her own boyfriend and she was about to go to the prom. It seemed to be like the mother and father care more about Ross potentially getting
0: Rachel than they did about their own daughter about to go to her prom. Yeah, there were some, certainly some neuroses that uh, developed from that. You know, at one point, at one point further down the road, Monica loses all of her childhood belongings because her father used them to block the flooding waters from the Porsche and all those kinds of things. I mean, it, you know, they refer to pulling a Monica if, they, if there was some screw-up when Monica was doing the, the catering uh, job. And so, yeah, they, they've made it harder. They've made it harder for Monica than it needed to be.
1: No doubt. Do we need to talk about computerized humanoid electronically enhanced secret enforcer?
0: You mean cheese? I do
1: mean cheese. (laughs) Mac Machiavelli? (laughs) Joey went from Drake Remore to nothing until pretty much this.
0: And mac and cheese was supposedly his next big break. Yeah. But he didn't hit it off very well with the... uh, the the controller, if you will, the the man who is in charge of the of the of the computer. Tell me again, what was the long form name for cheese? Uh, cheese
1: was computerized humanoid, electronically enhanced secret enforcer. That's great. It is mac and cheese. It's I mean, it's really good. And I, you know, we didn't talk about this, but I guess it was the end of five because they were in. Ve- I think this is when they were in Vegas. Joey thought he was about to have this huge acting break, and we see Chandler realize he's not going to make any money unless this thing gets successful. Another one of those moments where we recognize how much these people actually care about each other's lives. Because he tried to find a way to tell Joey, I'm not sure you know what you're getting into.
0: The other thing we find out is that Chandler, in a lot of respects, has been bankrolling Joey's career. Yes. He's paid for headshots, and he's paid for acting lessons, and he's fronted him all kinds of money. They are friends. They yep. are very much like brothers. I think you owe me $11 jillion. <laughs> Um, you know, and and so, yeah, they, he, he really is kind of, um, you know, he's emotionally but also financially invested in, in Joey's career really taking off.
1: Yes. So we end season six, the one with the proposal. This is the end of Tom Selleck on this show. And they put him out with a bang because they let him almost end this, almost break this thing up. He becomes becomes the perfect heel that they build up that Austin can beat. And then they let Chandler and Monica just kind of get through it. And then Chandler finally gets to his deal and she accepts. And the show basically ends with an Eric Clapton song, or that season ends with an Eric Clapton song called Wonderful Tonight. And then, boom, that's where we are at the end of season six. And I think once the proposal happened, there was not a, a, a an inkling of me that thought they were not going to end up married. Like, this was not one they were going to break up. Once they got here, because they had taken them through so much to get here, you just kind of felt like, okay, they're going to be fine. And they pretty much were. Except that Chandler put on weight, and Monica lost a ton of weight to where she looked almost unhealthy in some stages. And, of course, Chandler's weight gain came from unfortunate things that were going on in his personal life he that a none lot of ad- us really knew he had about. He a lot of
0: addiction issues. He, he did. If you go back and read um, interviews with Matthew Perry, he's very quick to say, you know, he says, "I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't intoxicated while I was doing the shows, but I was incredibly hungover on many occasions." Yes, and um, I think there were a handful of interventions that were being had there because it was it was important that he continue to be a big part of that show, and you know, it doesn't take more than a, a Google search to find there. There were some moments where wasn't quite such a layup to whether or not he was going to be able to kind of keep the thing going because it was becoming more and more difficult.
1: This was also one where there really wasn't a cliffhanger, at least to the biggest plot line. This nope. was one of the like happy ending. We're going to send you, we're going to give you some fan service here because we've messed with you a lot over the last couple of seasons. You could have ended the series on this. You sure could have.
0: Yeah, you could have you, very much everything that was going on at that point was tied up in a nice little bow at the end of season six when did monica do the proposal was that monica was, did the proposal um in in that episode yeah when she when he came back well, she had to the, the like, candles around she, and she lit the was the candles, on her knees and all she of that. got down on a knee and started proposing right. to him right that was
1: what that was beautiful to me like the way that they executed that it was just like you know what i love this guy so much i'm gonna make the move and it was a it was a it was an aggressive move, but it was also the kind of move that you wouldn't necessarily expect somebody to overthinks things to make. It was one of those things where emotion finally got the better of her, and she's like, "No, I'm going to get this thing right for us and she does and then of course Chandler stops her and does what he has to do. But it plays out really well, I think, for those two characters and Again, just like he's our lobster, the other four are elated.
0: So what have we learned well? Episodes four through er, seasons four through six. We've learned
1: we've learned what we already knew, which is Rachel and Ross are going to get together, but it's going to take a while. And anytime you see them together, and you don't think it's the last season of the show, don't get too attached. That would be one thing. We've learned that weddings on sitcoms rarely ever go to plan. Exactly. I I think we've learned that Joey is never going to be an A list actor, as much as he wants to be. Had his opportunity just seems like he's going to be a guy. I mean, he's moved out and he spent all that money and, you know, all of those things happened. He bought the, that ridiculous, like, wolf. Was it a wolf or like it's a, a dog. giant dog? Yeah, a giant dog. Looked like a dire wolf from Game of Thrones.
0: Backstory on that dog? Belonged to Jennifer Aniston.
1: Like, actually belonged to Jennifer Aniston? Why would so, she have that?
0: Someone gave it to her as a congratulatory present for landing the role on Friends. And so when they needed a gaudy piece of, you know, art... She gave it to the producers for them to use, and they liked it so much that they decided to keep it.
1: I, I don't know why she would have it, but okay. <laughs> I think she was pretty okay with giving it away. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think we thought that, that Chandler and Monica's marriage and their wedding would be an important thing going forward. I think we also learned that there are stories that need to be told with some of these other characters that just don't seem to have all that much direction right now. Phoebe has gone through a lot, but what exactly is she... Doing? Like, what exactly are you doing with her? We know where we're going with Ross and Rachel eventually. Monica and Chandler is Monica and Chandler. Usually, I can look at a show by this point and say, okay, this is how this series is going to end. I've done this a number of different times. You know, Michael Scott's going to leave the office, or he's going to marry Holly, and that's going to be the end. Usually, it's a marriage and a move, or it's kids being born and a move, or it's just a move because. There's no better way to end a sitcom than to leave the setting of the sitcom. Think about The Fresh Prince and how that show ended. It ended with them turning off the lights and Will being in the in the Banks's house as they're all headed in different places. How did Friends end? Well, it ended with them finally leaving Monica's apartment and leaving the key and the last shot being, you know, the peep, the hole the, the the hole in the frame that became right. such a a setting for the setting for the deal. So here, by this point I'm thinking, okay, The show's not going to end with Monica and Chandler's wedding. It's still going to end with Ross and Rachel. So how fast are we going to get to the wedding? How many things are they going to do to try and slow us down? And what are we doing with a couple of these other characters? And we're going to find out because Phoebe is going to start to play a different role. And we're going to start to see more of her future laid out. And then you're kind of worried about Joey and what they're going to do with Joey But I don't necessarily think we learned anything except that Monica and Chandler make sense and that that storyline really did reinvigorate this show at a time where what they were doing with Ross in particular was super annoying because of the Emily storyline. And I think that between those three seasons, it was Monica and Chandler. This was the Monica and Chandler. And usually the middle is what's forgotten about. When you think about an essay, you think about what you write first secondarily. You think about what you write last, most importantly, and the stuff in the middle is what's least important. Because when you're reading an essay, you remember what it starts with, you remember how it ends, but some of the stuff in the middle, you're going to miss some of those details. And I felt like Friends, you could argue that, except that this was so important to me that it's the first thing I think about when I think of Friends is the Monica Chandler thing being so much fun to watch.
0: You know what I learned? Is that when you when you mix a traditional English trifle with a shepherd's <laughs> pie, yeah. It tastes like feet. Yes. We we, we, we glossed over that, but that I mean, we we got to gloss over stuff because we can't go eight hours. Yeah, like but, we'd like but, to. But but but, the, but the, that was big. Rachel being in charge of dessert at Thanksgiving, and making the trifle, which included beef, um, all time, and 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 you know the the line was, uh, I'm trying to remember, like meat on a dessert. That's not possible. And Joey's response was, I know, and only one layer of jam? What's up with that?
1: <laughs> so we get the happy ending at 6, and when we come back next week and we're talking about 7 through 9, 7 starts with another morsel. Oh, yeah. between Before that episode is out, just so you know, this ain't over. Real quick. But like I said, don't get too attached because it's season season 7. It's not season 10. Is there anything we didn't hit? Well, well, I mean, I plenty. know there is. There's but plenty
0: we haven't hit.
1: What did you have written down on your trusty iPad that we didn't get to?
0: Um, the the list is actually pretty short. I think I think we've covered it all. We have not talked about whether or not the show has jumped the shark.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. We we're going to talk about that,
0: and and whether or not not
1: was... by this point I don't think because if we didn't get Monica and Chandler, we wouldn't be doing this podcast.
0: Okay, so that maybe that may be where we leave that for now. We're t- we're through season six, and to this point, we could both agree that this show has not yet jump, jump to the shark. I'm
1: still thoroughly enjoying it at this
0: point. On all fronts. Looking forward to Season 7.
1: Yep, we will talk about that next week. At jmartzone, at 104.5 The Zone, jmartclone at com. It's on my profile, so I'm, I'm okay to mention what my email is. Let us know what you think. Let us know what maybe we missed that you wanted us to cover, and we will start out next week's podcast talking about that, and then we will get to this Jump the Shark conversation as two dudes... Talk about sports for a living. Sit around and riff about friends. This has been Seasons 4, 5, and 6. See you next week. Pop 61045 is over.